Hi, everyone. This is your CyberPath. We are the podcast that helps you get your dream cybersecurity job. I'm your host, Kip Boyle, and uh, I'm here with uh, Wes Schreiner. He's also hosting. Wes and I are experienced hiring managers and uh, of cybersecurity professionals. And so our goal on the show here is to share with you what we know about what works when you want to get your dream cybersecurity job, or maybe even turbocharge your career. Maybe you're already in cybersecurity and you want to get that next promotion. But if you want to give us feedback on the show, uh, or if you've got a question, you want us to answer your question in a future episode, that's easy. Just visit the show page, anchor.fm forward slash your cyber path. That's the URL. And when you get there, you're going to see a message button. You click that, you start talking, and we hear you, and we would love to hear from you. So we've said this before, every hiring manager, although they are engaged in a highly regulated activity, which is hiring, um, they do their jobs a little differently. They bring a different perspective. And so Wes and I think it's valuable for you, dear listeners, to hear from other cybersecurity hiring managers. And we also think it would be great if you could hear from people who don't work in the United States. And so today we've got somebody who's going to check both of those boxes. We have a guest. Please welcome Annalisa Miller. I'm so glad she's here with us today, Kip. She's going to bring a lot of, of new and interesting ideas to how we look at, at pursuing our, our career opportunities. Um, I think some of it's going to be brand new and, and totally different than what we might do in a Seattle environment. And then another part of it might be, wow, it's actually pretty much the same across the world. And I think that's going to be a, a powerful insight from today's conversation. I'm really glad she's here. Hi, Annalisa. Hi, Wes. Hi, Kip. Um, thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, so it's a real pleasure to be speaking to you both. I've um, I've been looking forward to it, and I hope our discussions are useful. Well, tell us a little bit about your career background, and maybe uh, salt us with a little bit of interesting things about your life and 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 what you do for fun. <laughs> fun, eh? Um, yeah, I suppose yep. some of us in cybersecurity have fun occasionally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're allowed. <laughs> I um, currently work for a company called Spectrus. Um, I have been there for the last three years. And Sounds like I, a James Bond villain. I'm sorry, it, I just have to say that. Keep going. Yeah, yeah thanks for that. <laughs> My husband said that to me when I joined. And do you know what? It, it does. And it is the best kept secret um, when it comes to, to companies. Um, not quite as um, as evil uh, as, as something out of a James Bond film, um, but, but a really, really um, brilliant company to work for. Um, so we make widgets and gadgets. Um, I think the official line is we make high precision instrumentation and and we do that for a really wide uh, variety of industries and businesses um, so we provide customers all around the world um, in the US in, in Asia and all across Europe um, with with high-tech instruments and test equipment and it ranges from um, high-tech products that, that measure um, ketchup manufacturing to make sure it's the right consistency. Um, we have oxygen analyzers that are used in life-saving incubators and ventilators. Uh, we work with car manufacturers on all sorts of testing, including self-driving cars using 5G networks. Um, and 
This year, we had 200 of our sensors on rockets that SpaceX sent into space. So, I mean, and there's there's like thousands and thousands of other um, wow. brilliant things. That we do. It's so brilliant. Um, but but no one's ever heard of us. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and my role um, at Spectris is, um, well, my job is, is to make sure that we keep all of our information, um, all of the information associated with our brilliant business, um, as well as our systems and our networks. Um, I keep them safe and secure, um, and I am their chief information security officer. Um, and I've been doing um, security work for, for longer than I care to admit, um, more than two decades now, um, in, in all sorts of different industries. Uh, and I've actually worked all around the world as well. Um, over in Australia, I've worked in Asia. Um, I've done a bit of work in, in the US as well um, and, and quite a few countries in Europe as well. And don't forget what you do for fun. <laughs> what do I do for fun? Well, um, actually, one of the things that I really enjoy is um, swimming. And I particularly like swimming in open water. And thankfully, during COVID and, and the lockdowns that we had in the UK, I was able to, to carry on doing that. So if I'm not um, socialising with friends and family, um, you can typically find me swimming down a river or, or in a lake or, or even across the sea sometimes. So wow. that's me. <laughs> Outstanding. Cool. Well, thank you for, for that. That's, it's great to get to know you. It sounds like four continents and uh, uh, you swam between all of them. So that's, you're, you're on your way. <laughs> yeah, that, that's stretching it a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, hyperbole and podcast kind of go together. So I don't feel ashamed. Um, so Annalisa, let's, let's uh, transition here. When did you first start hiring people for cybersecurity jobs? And, um, you know, what, what's that like for you? Mm. Well, I guess back... Oh, at the turn of the century. Oh, my God, that makes me sound so old. I'm um, the same way. <laughs> let's, let's be old at the same time on the podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, back in 2000 or 2001, um, I was working at PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, I joined them as a graduate. And after 12 or 18 months or so, um, I was involved in in the hiring process and the recruitment process, um, only in a small part and mostly to make sure that um, potential recruits had, had certain technical skills or, 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 or the ability to learn technical skills. Um, but the thing that, that was so great about that, um, uh, and for anyone that has worked in a consultancy will know, is you tend to have pretty rigorous and well-structured processes for hiring when you work in a consultancy. Um, so it really was the perfect way for me um, to be introduced to that side of recruitment. Um, so yeah, that was that was back in I think it was yeah late two thousand, early two thousand and one that that started. Um, a year or so after that, um, I did a bit of travelling, ended up in Australia, and I got a job uh, in the security team at Nestle. And um, not too long after I joined, the remit of our team grew. Um, we, we had a lot of work that, that we needed to expand into a number of different areas. And I was able to, to recruit my first direct report. Um, and, and it was tough because I was, um, you know, in my early 20s. And people back then um, working in security were typically a lot older than me. So I had some, some anxiety, I guess, about hiring um, people who I felt had a lot more experience, um, but they didn't necessarily have the technical expertise that I had. Um, so it was it was it was definitely an interesting um, uh, d definitely an interesting process to go through. 
Um, and I'm really proud, actually, to say that the first person that I recruited to report directly into me was another woman, um, which I would say back in the sort of early 2000s was, was quite unusual um, for, for two women to be working together in a security team. Yeah, I would say that's true. Um, I've hired uh, some women as well. And I know that the, the larger conversation right now is, is on diversity, right? All forms of diversity. Um, and, uh, and you know, uh, I should also say that, that I'm the father of four daughters. So I'm really interested in, uh, in access and, um, you know, and diversity from, from that perspective. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and I think you're, you're right. Diversity is, I mean, it's, a, it's an often used word, isn't it? And I don't think it's just about gender. I think it goes a lot further than that. I think really now when I'm recruiting, I, I don't focus too much on on gender or or race or, or, or even, you know, um, background necessarily. It's more about diversity of thought. And it, when, when, I'm, when I'm recruiting now, um, I'm really looking to build high-performing teams. And I think you can only ever have a high-performing team if people think differently and, and bring a different perspective and, and can do that with some courage in a safe environment. Um, and, and that safe environment comes when you're prepared to support your, your colleagues. So, right. so those are the qualities that I really look for when I'm recruiting now. Um, and that's a whole different podcast that we could do <laughs> and probably should do, right? Because there's so much to unpack there. You know, there's, there's emotional intelligence and then there's, you know, feeling safe to speak what's really on your mind, you know? And so there's these rare uh, qualities, right, that a team has to have in order to take full advantage of true diversity. And I would love to go to that, to that place, um, you know, with you, perhaps on a different episode, but uh, how intriguing. Um, but uh, hey, Wes, I think it's time for you to pitch Annalisa a question. Uh, it probably is. Thank you. Um, so Annalisa, as we start looking at a, a career path and a, and a uh, 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 what a person is looking for in, in their next role, uh, what, what would be the first step you would recommend somebody take in that in that process? I think it's really important, first and foremost, to not stand in your own way. Um, I think it's something that people do sometimes without realizing. I think there's enough out there that, that can get in your way without you doing it yourself. So I think the first thing to do is to focus on what you can do. Um, focus on what you enjoy and focus on how you want to grow. Don't focus on what you haven't done yet. So, you know, getting started or, or taking your next step can be pretty daunting. You know, even if you've managed to narrow down your thinking to, you know, I want to be um, someone who works in information or cybersecurity, um, there are so many different flavors of that uh, and what that might mean. Um, and there's so many different potential routes into cybersecurity. You know, you can go down the military route, law enforcement route, consulting, you know, as I did, um, through your existing IT team, if you already work in IT, through project management. I mean, so many permutations. Um, and, and actually in the UK, I don't know if you, if you guys have this in the US, um, but we also have cybersecurity apprenticeship schemes, um, which are schemes that the government supports, um, both for graduates and non-graduates, um, which is another great way um, for people oh, to I start wish we their had cyber that. career. Yeah. You know, I wish we had that as a formal thing. Um, actually, in the U.S., uh, some companies offer that, 
as part of their of building their talent pipeline, right? Some there's some forward-looking companies that that do that. Certainly the US military and some of our federal government institutions will do those sorts of things, but it's on a very organization by organization basis. Um, but I know a lot of people have asked me about that. You know, hey, how can I get an internship? How can I get an apprenticeship? Um, I think that's a brilliant um, scheme. It's so funny that word scheme. Americans don't like using that word. Anyway. <laughs> Initiative. It has, let's go with that. It has negative connotations in the US, right? Isn't that crazy? But it's a perfectly fine word. Anyway, um, I wish we did more of that. Yeah, yeah. It, it is great. Um, so yeah, I think definitely don't stand in your way. But but once you've once you've made that decision that that's the step that you want to take, um, you, you you've got to really, really want it. Um, we spend a very large proportion of our time and energy doing our jobs. Well, I certainly do. Um, and I think it's really important that you enjoy what you do. When you're applying for a new role or you're thinking about moving into um, something like cybersecurity, you need to know that you're going to enjoy the fundamental tasks and activities associated with that role. Um, you also need to buy into the company that you're looking to join. Uh, are you interested in what they do? Uh, do you agree with their values? Uh, and I think really key is, is be honest with yourself. Be absolutely sure that you want to do this role. Um, that can so, be difficult, right, Wes? Well, so usually when I'm encouraging folks and they're pursuing, uh, they're between opportunities, right? I recommend they pursue multiple roles at one time, right? Re pursue them in parallel. There's oftentimes a long response window for some companies, and so is there. Uh, how do you how do you uh, rationalize the the uh, pr uh, spray and pray method with the make sure you really want it and you're going to enjoy it method? What what is the what's the right balance there? Well, I think I think you make a really good point there because I guess what I was saying might have sounded like I was sort of very close-minded. Oh, you must know you, you definitely want to be an ethical hacker and that's it. That's not quite what I meant. <laughs> um, uh, I think the spray and pray um, uh, method is, is, is fine. I don't think that one works either for the record. I, I don't okay. think spray and pray is either. <laughs> but there's somewhere on the continuum that is a good answer, right? And I don't know how to find that exactly. Um, I mean, I have some ideas. Uh, I'm going to throw it out there. I think that there's uh, a career searching should go in waves. And I think you, you, uh, on Monday of your career search start, you, you apply for eight jobs that you think are in that Monday, Tuesday that you think are good choices, but then you slow down on your application process and you see how do those eight move through the process. And usually in a two week period, you have uh, a couple that have moved uh, through and a couple that have, have fallen on, on, on deaf ears. And then, and then you uh, start another wave going through uh, two weeks later. And that way you've got some methodology to how you're approaching your job search. And you've got some uh, 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 thought into which roles you're applying for. Um, I think if you did one every two weeks, you would, you would be here a long time. And I think if you did 100 every two weeks, you would be exhausted and worn out and unable to appropriately respond to all of the ideas and, and pursuits that may come your way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think as well, when you're reading through those job specs, there will be elements in there that will really speak out to you. And you'll think, well, mm. I can really imagine myself doing that or I'd really enjoy that. Or, oh, my God, there's no way I could possibly, you know, do that particular task. Um so I think it's about being honest as well. Yeah. 
So uh, you said you, you should buy into the company that you're looking for. And uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out what that means in, in, the, in the bigger world, right? Uh, you said agree with their values. What, how do I do that? What does that look like? So I was very nervous before I joined Nestle. Um, back in my early 20s, um, because in those days, there was a lot of controversy about um, powdered milk in um, Africa uh, being provided by Nestle to to people who couldn't afford to buy it. So there there was a lot of controversy, whether or not it was true. To this day, I'm still not 100% sure. Um, But I was worried that I was being interviewed by an organization that that wasn't... um, particularly ethical. And I actually talked to my my potential boss about this. Um, I, and I said, look, the only thing that, that I'm worried about here, because everything else about the job sounded great. And I could tell that the, my boss who was interviewing me um, and I were going to get on like a house on fire. I could, I could totally see that we were going to work well together. So I said to him, you know, I was worried about it. And he, he was very good at explaining the Nestle side, which hadn't been reported in the media, um, wasn't in any of the um, conspiracy theories that, you know, were being, or the gossip that, that, that I'd sort of heard. Um, and actually, when when he explained to me the values of Nestle and, and the much more caring and moral side of it, I, I felt that it was a company that I could, um, you know, be, be proud to work for. And that's that's a really important thing is when you get up in the morning, you've got to really enjoy what you do and you've got to feel that what you do is for a you know a good a good company with a with a good cause. Um uh, there's a quote from Maya Angelou, you know, you can only become truly accomplished at something you love. But I think it goes further than that. I think the the sort of intrinsic motivation to to, to do something for the love of it, um, rather than being reliant on external motivators, I think that that expands to the company that you're working for as well. Um, you know, whether it's a, a law firm that's, you know, fighting for, for people's human rights or, you know, a company that makes widgets and gadgets or a company that makes waxworks like the, the uh, Merlin Entertainments where I worked before. Um, you know, th- that might sound really fickle, but, but I really love the fact that that was a company that was providing entertainment and fun uh, and, and a safe and enjoyable environment for families and, and people to go and, and you know, have a good day. And so I think it is really important um, that, that you reconcile the company that you're looking to join with your own morals and values. That makes a lot of sense. I remember I was in a, in a job uh, many years ago and my, my boss looked at me and he said, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you like your job? And he was really just looking for feedback in the first one year of my, of my role with him. Uh, one to 10, how much do you like your job? And I think he was expecting me to say 10. <laughs> I said eight and I broke his heart. Oh. And I didn't mean to. Uh, I didn't mean to break his heart at all. Uh, and I, I had to quickly repair it by saying, uh, I like what I do. I like who I work with. I like what we're delivering. Uh, there's no complaints on that. We're just not curing cancer, right? If, if we were curing cancer, we could move to the nines and tens, but we're, we're not. And so for me, uh, we're at a solid eight and I'm happy and I'm not complaining at all. Just understand that 
to get in that 10 range, we've, we've got to do something major for humanity. <laughs> oh, great. And so uh, I recovered in that conversation, but uh, it stuck with me. And, and you said, enjoy your work. You've got to enjoy your work and understand what you're going to enjoy about it. What, uh, uh, I'd love to hear more about how do you figure out if you're going to enjoy that job? Hmm. <laughs> That's a really tough question. Well, I'm going to buy you some time while you uh, on that for just a second and tell you that there's four things that uh, when I was last hiring uh, and I kind of made a decision, I'm likely going to give this person an offer. I would I would come back with, uh, let me describe the team to you, right? There's four things about this team, right? One is we're going to we're going to do big things. We're going to have big hardware and we're going to we're going to work on big hardware and big things. We're going to uh, have big influence across the company. We're going to treat each other as adults and we're going to go home for dinner. And those are the four tenets of how our team operates, do big things, have big influence, treat each other as adults and go home for dinner. And, and if that's the kind of lifestyle you're looking for, uh, then we've got an opportunity for you, right? And I, I say that to say, um, I never had the highest salary. Uh, most anybody who came to work for me could have worked for bigger salaries at other places. but. Uh, the opportunity to work with those four tenants was, was a big deal for a lot of the, the folks who came to join our team. That sounds think, like you, sorry, I was going to say, it sounds like you provided a great environment with those four pillars. And, and a very uh, I mean, you can ask them whether or not we actually lived them or not, but we are advertised them and we did our best. Well, and I think Wes, you, you, you deserve credit for, for bringing that up right in in the in the interviewing process cuz i can tell you from personal experience like that that's rare that was a rare thing for me to have uh somebody that i was interviewing be so um so bold and so upfront about it um and i just think that you really served your interviewees well when you did that well it helped me win talent right this talent could work anywhere they wanted to these are 20 year veterans of security they can work anywhere they want to in fact some of them don't have to work if they don't want to and uh, uh, so I've got to find a way to interest them in in what we're doing here as better or or more beneficial to them by being here. And so I did that. Now, I need to clarify in my uh, and, and home for dinner statement. Right. Understand that when the lights are bright and the stage is set and the audience is in their seats and, the, and you're on the stage, I, you're going to work all weekend if you have to. Right. Because that's what happens when when the show is going. Right. <laughs> But when we're still practicing and preparing and, and being a part of preparing for that show, no, we're, we're going to be home for dinner. Um, understand that uh, you own your workload and that you will deliver your workload. Uh, uh, and when it's time, you'll step up and be on that stage. Right. And so uh, I didn't set an expectation. It was every dinner, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to get it back to Annalisa here. Uh, uh, how do you define enjoying your work or how would you help people find that for themselves? So I guess there's, there's different points that, that you need to try and, and figure out whether you'd enjoy a role. There's the, the point at which you're, you're looking for your next role or, or even your first role in cybersecurity and you're going through the job specs, you know, all, all the tasks and activities, things that you think will be fulfilling um, and that your skills 
um, get you at least part of the way there. And then the bit that you raised there, Wes, which I find really interesting is what what's the energy going to be like with the team that you're about to join? And that's really hard to figure out during the interview process for both the recruiter and, and the person that, that's that's looking to join uh, the organisation. But but there are some some fairly telltale signs. I mean, someone that, that's as open as you were, Wes, by, by, you know, coming up with those four pillars and being openly encouraging to people to have a work-life balance when it's right to have a work-life balance um, and in a flexible way I think is superb and a really really good sign Um, and there'll be some really bad signs you know I think if you're in an interview and you get the impression that perhaps you know your your boss has got a whip he's literally going to be cracking it every five minutes Um, if that's not what you're after then then just be aware and and again just be really honest with with yourself and and the vibes that you're picking up um, through that I think so I think I have a story for you on that one <laughs> if I may. I'm sorry I'm interrupting you. I don't mean to, but we don't have a script, so it works out okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was sitting in an interview. I had been through the full day loop. I was now sitting down with the hiring manager and and he's ready to give me an offer. <clears throat> and and he said, Do you have any questions for me? And I said, So what's the team dynamic like? How how do the how does the team get along? Because this is back in the day when we all got to work together in the same office. <laughs> you know, way back when in the in the mystery days. Um and uh, uh, I asked him, what's the team dynamic like and, and uh, uh, how, do, how does the team work together? And he said, uh, and he looked through his window and he pointed out the window and he goes, because uh, it was an internal window to part of the office, he goes, it'll be a lot better when that guy goes home. Uh, and, and he was saying when that, got, when that guy is fired. And I was, oh my gosh, the, the look on my face gave me away. I did not get the job offer. Um, I have never been invited for an interview with that company ever again since. Uh, I never said anything aggressive, but uh, yeah, I was amazed at his response and I was not prepared or interested in working in an environment like that. I think you had a lucky escape. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it nice to, to, to find out before you accept the offer? Uh, yes, I think lucky escape is the right phrase. So I would, I, I would like to, uh, uh, to ask, uh, Annalisa about, um, the resume or the CV. Mm. Um, cause I know she's got some. Which continent are you on is which one you're asking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. They have different labels, but you know, call it a truck or call it a lorry. You still get in, you still drive it around and it still carries stuff. So <laughs> But yeah, so what about your resume, Annalisa? What do you think, like, that, uh, you know, job seekers looking for their dream cybersecurity job, like, how should they be thinking about their resume? What, what's your take on that? Yeah, so um, I think you, you've, you've got two real stages to, to getting your dream cybersecurity job. The first one is getting your foot in the door. And then once your foot's in the door, it's about, you know, just, just getting that, that, last stretch of, of the interview process. So, so the CV, the job of the CV or, or the resume is to get the attention of the hiring manager or the organization that, that you're going to be joining. Uh, and 
to do that, you need to make sure you do yourself justice. You, you've got to really bring out, you know, any transferable skills that you've got or any relevant experience that you have um, and make sure it reflects what the job spec is actually asking for. So if you're really keen for a job, you may need to tweak your resume. You may need to just adjust it slightly to make sure it really um, prioritizes your skills or reflects your skills um, in the same way that the job spec appears to be prioritizing them. Um, and don't be afraid to do that. It's okay to have multiple versions of your resume um, because the, once you've, once your um, hiring manager has read your resume and, and wants to then meet you, your, your next job then is to really do the sales pitch um, uh, and to, to go into a lot more detail about, about your skills uh, and the way that you will um, help your hiring manager solve all the problems that he's hiring you to solve. Um, so I think it's important. Focus on, on yourself. Focus on your skills. Um, don't worry too much about what other people are doing, although there will be certain things um, that you need to be cognizant of. So, you know, at certain points in my career, it was a really good thing to have quite a long resume that had a lot of technical detail in. Um, and some hiring managers really liked that. That might have been a, a sign of the times or it might have been a sign of the kind of roles that I was going for. Now, two pages max. Um, so I think just, just be aware of, of what the expectation is. Um, don't be afraid to ask um, and, and make sure that, that you're really focusing on your core skills. If I can ask a question here, the uh, uh, customizing a resume is uh, sometimes a very time consuming endeavor. And I find some people get lost in it. They, they go off to customize their resume and they're gone for three days. And by then the, the job opening has closed and they're no longer taking new applicants. So how do you find that balance between amount of customization versus the fuse available for early application on a, on a role? Yeah, so it's a yeah, it's a really good point. That uh, of course you could get carried away with it. I guess what I mean is the slight adjustment. You may just want to take one section higher up your resume and just swap a section around. So we're talking sure. about you know like a two second change, um, just so that if someone's in a real rush and they're reading through your resume, if the first thing that you think they want to, to know about is your um, your your qualifications, for example, if that's if that's really focused on on the on the job spec, you may just want to flip that around. For me personally, my qualifications are right at the end of my resume, um, so so it's it's little tweaks like that. I think really rather than a massive overhaul. Um, I would suggest that there's a 24 hour fuse on any application or response, right? If someone sends you a, uh, an opportunity and says, hey, you should, you should maybe consider applying for this, uh, you've got 24 hours to pick that up and respond to it with resume. Uh, if you come across an opportunity on one of the job boards and you wanna post for it, you've got 24 hours before, it's likely that that opportunity is going to, the, the fuse is gonna, gonna expire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it I could go three weeks, but I can't guarantee that. And I can only tell you, you've probably got about 24. I, I think it's also really important that, that you, the point that, that you're making as well is put a time limit on it as well. Because when you're applying for a job, I think you do also have to prepare yourself for some rejection. 
Um, not every job that you apply for will end up in an interview and not every interview will end up in a job um, uh, uh, offer. So I think you, you have to be ready for that. And with that rejection, of course, you, you're going to have to have a bit of a turn uh, turnaround uh, on your on your applications. I like the idea of putting the work that you do when you are modifying your, your resume in a time box, right? I often do that where I'll say, Right, I've got ten minutes to make you know to 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 modify this resume for the position that I'm seeking. I like that because it forces me to focus on what's truly important, what's really going to move the needle, um, rather than me saying, "Oh, I don't like this font. Oh God, that, I need a better synonym for this word." Um, you know, because there's just I, I agree with Wes. I mean, it's just a, such an easy trap to fall into. Yeah, definitely. I think you said something very similar to me about content creators here recently, Kip. Uh, content creators create content. They don't draft content and think about it and decide, I'm not sure if I'm ready to publish that yet or not. <laughs> creators publish. Publish. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and that's what we do on this podcast. We create and publish, right? I mean, I could fiddle with the episodes endlessly, you know, just trying to get that perfection. But um yeah, I mean, we know the old trope, right? Perfection is the enemy of good enough, of getting a job done. But I don't know. I mean, if you're going to launch a rocket, well, then you dang well better be per perfect. But, you know, if, if anything short of that, um, you know, <laughs> be careful. <laughs> so, Annalisa, I got a couple more questions for you, and I'm, I'm running out of time, and I, I, keep, I keep taking us down rabbit trails, so it's my fault today. Um, if, uh, if, if I was trying to figure out the team dynamics and team structure before I'm – either before I'm in the interview or during the interview with questions that I have during the interview, what would be some ways I might ask about or, or glean information about the team structure uh, and how the team dynamics interoperate uh, in that interview? Well, there's, I mean, one option is just to ask it straight out like you did. Um, <laughs> another way um, <laughs> could be to, um, you know, talk about org structures, find out exactly where you sit, who your peers would be, um, what sort of support you might get from other people in the team. So you could use an org organization structure as a basis for that conversation. Um, one time I went for a job and I, I was a little bit unsure about it and someone suggested to me why don't you ask if they'll show you around the office maybe that will give you a better impression of the organization give you a better better feel for it and I did actually ask the um the company I said oh you know would it be possible to have a look around the office and they they were very surprised they were like well um no one's ever asked us that before it was almost as if it was okay just to sit in one room and make a decision about my career based on having met one person and seen one room. Um, so they kind of scratched their heads a bit and they did. They said, no, it's okay. We can show you part of the office. Part of it, I think they had some sensitive stuff that they couldn't show me, but they sort of sort of pointed through a, a, a bit of glass and, and said, oh, and down there is you know, where you'll see these people. And it, you know what? It really helped me. The fact that they listened to my request, took it seriously, and then actually showed me that oh, the office was actually quite a normal place and people seem to be you know kind of reasonably happy at their desks and and kind of talking to each other and stuff so uh, that was helpful for me i agree because you're going to hear them say oh, and this is where the risk team sits and this is where third-party risk and this is where the instant response team sits mm -hmm. but you also hear in their tone and and in the dynamic of walking around the office whether or not people wave at each other and whether those groups talk to each other yeah um, you also get to see if there's people like me that work here already uh, 
or if I'm going to be uh, a special in some way that I, I don't see someone like me already in that, in that role or in that leadership. Yeah. And that, that in itself can be really daunting. I remember um, when I was a consultant um, at one place I worked, it was, um, it was in engineering. Uh, there was an open plan office with about a hundred people uh, and I was the only woman. Um, that and was that is scary. a very different environment. Yeah. Okay, let's let's move on. We have two more things that we would like to um, uh, get Annalisa's perspective on, um, and the next one is the interview. So, how does how how should our listeners think about being prepared or preparing themselves for the interview? Like, what do you like to see candidates do when they show up, and therefore, you know, how they must have prepared? So, I'm as a hiring manager, keen to meet a short list of people because I want them to know as much as possible about a role. But equally, I'm not going to interview every single person that's applied for the role. So quite frankly, if you've got to that stage, you're in with a good shot. I don't know many hiring managers that are going to go um, and spend, you know, all day, every day just speaking to people for the sake of it. You know, they're taking you seriously. um, So use that time um, to the best of your ability. Do prepare. Um, You know, you've you've got your foot in the door now. um, so, So enjoy and make sure that you listen carefully to the questions because they may be asking you competency-based questions, which would need you to follow, you know, um, a, a process where you talk about the situation and what you did and speak very much about your, your personal contributions. Or they may be looking for something different. So listen very carefully to the questions. Take a breath, take some time to think and answer to the best of your ability. This is your opportunity to showcase your experience, your transferable skills and your, you know, what you can bring to to, to this organization, to the role. And it's it's a really good opportunity to, to do that. Um, also, part of your preparation, do your homework. Um, make sure you've got some questions that will help you understand more about the role. That will show your hiring manager that you're genuinely interested, which is always a good thing. Um, but it will also give you the chance to, to answer some of those questions. It's like you were saying, Wes, you know, how do you actually know about the dynamics of the team? How do you know that you're actually going to enjoy this, this role? Do a bit of homework about the organization and the team. Think about the challenges that they're probably facing and and dig into those a little bit. You know, you may be a bit time constrained in an interview, so you might not get a chance to cover all your questions, but but do the best that you can. And try and put yourself or try and imagine yourself already in the role and ask the questions from that that perspective. That can sometimes give you... um, a, a much better perspective um, of, of the role when you're asking those questions. What you want to do when you leave that interview is, is, is to have achieved two things. The first one, of course, is to have made sure that the hiring manager has seen, seen the best of you and heard about your experiences so that they can make a really good decision. And the second thing, which in some ways is, is even more important, is that you've come away with a really good understanding of what you're about to get yourself into. Mm. Um, so, so I think it's really about those two things. Excellent. Um, Wes, did you want to uh, ask any questions about that before we move on to our fourth and final area? I think we should keep running. 
Okay, I mean, seriously, this conversation could go on for a long time, but I know our listeners have limited time to listen to us. So um, so the final thing that we wanted to ask you, Annalisa, was um, skills gaps. We Everybody has them, right? You read this intimidating long list, and it's really a wish list, by the way, everybody, of, of skills and capabilities and problem-solving um, talent. Um, and you can get intimidated. And, and I know the data shows us that some people, if they don't have at least 80 or even 90% of the skills that they see listed, they won't even bother making uh, an application, which I think is, um, which is unfortunate. What's your perspective on this? Mm. I, yeah, I hear you. And I, I believe that, that women are, are possibly harder on themselves um, when, when sort of judging themselves uh, and, and their skills applicable for a role. Um, and this goes back to my, my first point, really, which is don't stand in your own way. Um, you will have skills that are transferable, even if they're not in the workplace. You know, you can go a little bit um, off-piste here. And, you know, if, if you've um, maybe maybe been a, in amateur dramatics or, or musical a musical performer, even at school, to, to have done those things, you will have had to have done a lot of preparing and rehearsing. Um, you would have needed to have potentially worked with other people if, if it was a choir or an orchestra or, or a stage show of some sort. And there are lots of things that you would have done during that um, the, or those activities that could be um, skills that are that are relevant and transferable to, to the workplace. Um, you know, team sports is another great thing to, to draw on. Um, so don't necessarily constrain yourself to um, to, to work experience, um, particularly if you're at the very beginning of your career. Um, and even things like gaming, if you're really enthusiastic about gaming, there are things in there that, that you know, could potentially be the cornerstone of your um, interest in IT and security. Um, the other thing, of course, is, is things like voluntary work or even non-IT jobs that you may have been, um, uh, that you may have had previously where you've needed to be organized. And, and, and yes, you may, you may not have had the opportunity to solve co complex problems, but, but you have been able to solve problems. Everybody does every day at work. Um, so you can still bring that out um, when, when you're in interview and when you're explaining your skills. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think it is, it is very hard when you're looking at a job spec that's um, you know, full of very, very specific things um, around cybersecurity or qualifications. Um, you know, I think just, just do your best to, to draw on your, your experiences. But also, one of the things that I have to really emphasize as a hiring manager is I'm not looking for someone that, that's been there, seen there and done it. I'm looking for someone who's got the right attitude, who is going to bring a, a fresh perspective and is going to have the tenacity to do their absolute best in the job. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you've done it before. It means that you can do it in the future. Um, so if you've done your research and you know that you want to do it, you just need to find a way to, to really highlight that if you've made it through to interview um, to your prospective hiring manager. Yeah, and you're really selling yourself. I mean, part of this, part of this really is selling. It's you know highlighting you know the benefits of of bringing me onto your team. And in cybersecurity, this is really tough because in the broader technology space, um, people don't like selling. They don't like to being sold to. Most people don't, but they don't like selling themselves. It feels. Um, 
you know, uh, unauthentic and, um, and oftentimes dirty. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that makes this so difficult. Um, they're also worried that they're going to oversell themselves, right? And then find themselves in a situation where, um, where, you know, people thought they were a lot more capable than they really were. And then that feeds into imposter syndrome. And you have, uh, you've studied, um, Annalisa, you've studied psychology. So I'm sure you're, uh, you're well-versed in all of these things, right? You, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I do think it's important that people find a way to be authentic and honest in interviews, but it's so hard to, to kind of get started in that. Um, maybe there's an opportunity to practice. Um, maybe every time that you have an interview, you just try a little bit more to draw out um your, your skills and experience in an authentic mm-hmm. and honest way. Um, and even if that does end up in a rejection or, or you don't, you don't get the job offer, that experience is still really good. Every time you go to an interview, it's good. It's yes. a good experience, even if it doesn't feel like it at the time and you leave with your head sort of down, <laughs> it, it is fundamentally still a good experience because you will have grown from it and you will have learned from it. Definitely. Well, I wish we could continue to talk with you on this episode, but we do need to wrap it up. And we'd maybe maybe would, we should talk later on about having you come back and explore some of these other topics. So thank you so much for being our guest today, Annalisa. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to speak to you both. So if you like yes, our podcast, yep. If you like our podcast, ladies and gentlemen, then you should consider grabbing this free guide that we recently put together. It's called Play to Win, Getting Your Dream Cybersecurity Job. It's a PDF. You can download it, take a look at it. It's um, it's, it's a quite a visual guide. It's very attractive. Um, we hired uh, we hired somebody to make it look great because, you know, honestly, my arts and crafts skills are not uh, all that great. Uh, so, you know, I really appreciated the help. Um, but what this guide does is it says, hey, look, you know, if you like playing capture the flag or if you understand how that game's played, you can actually take that approach uh, to compete and win in your job hunting. And so there's lots of instructions and screenshots, um, tips from hiring managers, how to use LinkedIn. It's great. I think you should get it. We've gotten some good feedback on it. If you want it, go to yourcyberpath.com forward slash PDF. Uh, So until next time, remember, you're just one path away from your dream cybersecurity job.